Asia Pacific Current. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday here on Community Radio 3CR. It is Saturday the 24th of June. Uh, we are bundling through the year. Of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. You can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. Um, we still haven't reached our target for Radiothon, so if you're still trying to sort out your pennies, um, please do that. Of course, anything that you pay by the 30th of June is tax deductible for this financial year. Um, anything you pay after that is tax deductible for next financial year. So all, all donations over $2 are tax deductible. Um, but we are still uh, raising money, so just because our special Radiothon program is over and that special two-week block uh, where we really, really turn the heat up and ask you to donate, even though that's over, uh, we're still asking you to please give us a ring on 94198377 and donate to Radiothon or jump online or the w's.3cr.org.au forward slash donate now um, and you can uh, pay your donation online. Um, coming up in the second part of the program, I'm going to play a speech for you delivered at or, or it was in a public meeting. Um, the Global Network in Solidarity with Ukraine um, meets monthly to exchange information about the activists of um, activities of left-wing solidarity groups, um, specifically um, in relation to solidarity with Ukraine. Uh, over the last number of months, they've been focusing on particular regions regions um, of the world and in May they hosted a discussion focusing on the Asia Pacific region. So the speech I'm going to bring to you today or the presentation is from Jinom Kim uh, and she's from the People's Solidarity for Social Progress in South Korea and that's what we're going to hear in the second part of the program. I know that there are lots of divergent opinions about Ukraine uh, and the war uh, and Russia and uh, NATO and the position that we should take as a Labor movement. I will say that Australia Asia Worker Links doesn't have a singular position on that because we are a united front or we're an alliance, however you want to look at it. Uh, we're not a single party with a single position. Um, the perspective that I'm bringing you today is one of support for Ukraine and particularly support support for arming of the Ukraine um, in their resistance to the invasion of Russia. But I will now go to news from around the region and we're going to start in Korea uh, where there was a mass funeral held for unionists in that country. A mass funeral was held over several days this week for Young Ho Dong, a union leader who died by self-immolation on the 1st of May after he became a target of the Yun government's anti-union lawfare campaign. The funeral began on Saturday when 2,000 people 
from various trade unions, civil society and religious groups gathered in Saul's financial district for a rally against the campaign that led to Young's death and the general regression of labour laws under the Yun administration. The funeral concluded on Wednesday with more than 6,000 people attending Yang's burial on the 50th day since his death. The KCTU was joined by the previously government-friendly FKTU movement in the Labor movement in uh, in South Korea. Um, the KCTU joined uh, the FKTU in calling for joint efforts to oppose and ultimately bring down the Yun administration and ruling People Power Party. The government's attempts to suppress the labour movement increased in recent weeks with the announcement that membership fees will no longer be tax deductible for union members if the government deems that a union is not properly disclosing their financial statements. Both the KCTU and FKTU jointly condemned this new arbitrary weapon of the Yun administration. Moving now to Iran, the Iranian Teachers Union confirmed this week that five more teachers have been charged for participating in strikes and other demonstrations. The teachers, all of whom are from the city of Yazd, were charged with being members of groups which aim to disrupt national security and with assembling and colluding with the aim of disrupting national security. These vague charges are identical to those laid against teachers in other cities, namely Shiraz and Ahbaz, who were sentenced in June to between two and five years in prison with one teacher facing the death penalty. The teachers' union has been demonstrating for better pay for five years and the strike action has intensified over the past 12 months, with the declining cost of living increasing, the need for their demands to be... Excuse me. Um, for, uh, the the strike action was around the declining cost of living, which is increasing the need for their demands to be met. The Their protest action has coincided with interlinked and interlinked with the demonstrations that followed the killing of Mahsa Jina Amini last September. Uh, and in Thailand, the uh, Thai PM elect is facing an electoral probe. The parliamentary leader of the Move Forward Party, Peter Lim Joranrat, uh, which surprised the world by winning the most seats in Thailand's May election, is facing an investigation on whether he was eligible to run for office. When the Move Forward Party, which has built alliances with the Labour movement in Thailand, won May's election, many commentators questioned how the military, which has governed Thailand since the 2014 coup, would respond to electoral defeat. The allegations against Peter are that he registered for election while still owning shares in a television station that has been defunct since 2007. Peter, spelt P-I-T-A, Peter has denied that he knew about these shares at the time of his registration, which he inherited from his father and no longer owns. If found guilty, he faces 10 years jail and a 20-year ban for running for office. Regardless of the result of the investigation, it is still a possibility that the military-controlled Senate will block move forward from forming government. 
and in Fiji. Uh, Union leaders are criticising the treatment of foreign workers. Felix Anthony, the General Secretary of the Fiji Trade Union Congress, FTUC, this week criticised comments made at a recent economic forum by business leaders in which they discussed the recruitment of Bangladeshi and Filipino workers to fill shortages in the meat, baking and automotive industries. Anthony criticised the practice... (coughs) of employers confiscating workers' passports, <clears throat> excuse me, calling it a violation of international labour laws and hypocritical while so many Fijians expressed disapproval at the treatment of their foreign workers in Australia and New Zealand. Anthony, who had been facing jail under the Bani, um, the Bani Marama administration for leaking plans to sack water authority workers to, um, to journalists in 2019, has had some wins this year with the Rabuka government reinstating airline workers sacked during the COVID pandemic. Meanwhile, in the growing Pacific arms race, Fiji signed a military agreement that will allow the stationing of New Zealand troops on the islands. While New Zealand framed the agreement as providing Fiji support during crises, the accord is part of a larger alliance that also includes Japan. And in Palestine, two-thirds of workers in that country are paid below the minimum wage. Following a recent survey of workers in the West Bank and Gaza, carried out by the Palestinian General Federation of Trade Unions and the Palestine Journalist Syndicate, it was discovered that 62% of workers are paid below the minimum wage. In recent years, the PGFTU, that's the Palestinian General Federation of Trade Unions, had led a campaign to increase the minimum wage of $520 US per month, which was successfully legislated in January 2022. However, now the union has had to turn their campaigning towards the enforcement of this law. The union says that in some places, such as textile factories in Istad, workers are paid as little as 210 US dollars a month. The PGFTU is building alliances with the journalist syndicate and various civil organisations to put pressure on the Palestinian Authority and employers to enforce the minimum wage. Given the isolation and political division of Gaza, the situation is at its worst in the Strip. However, throughout much of the West Bank, Palestinians aren't able to earn enough to live while also facing eviction and violence from occupying Israeli forces and settlers. And our final story for the morning comes from Turkmenistan, where forced labour continues. A recent independent report from an independent Turkmen rights group has highlighted this systematic practice of forced labour in the Central Asian nation's annual cotton harvest. Every year, the government forces public sector employees to either pick cotton or pay for a replacement during the August-December harvest. The workers, who include teachers and nurses, are seconded from their workplaces and forced to work on the threat of termination of employment. The practice is further complicated by quotas on farmers who are threatened with the confiscation of their land if they do not meet the government's annual demands. Finally, forced labour extends to the textile and garment industries and human rights campaigners are calling on the main importers of Turkmen cotton, Turkey, Pakistan and Italy, to adhere to international law by not purchasing the products of forced labour and to pressure the Turkmen government to abolish the practice which effectively amounts to slavery. 
And that is all from news from around the region. I'm going to go to some community announcements and then we will bring you our feature story for the morning. Wondering how to pay your donations to 3CR Radiothon? It's easy. You can pay online at 3cr.org.au or call us any weekday with your credit card details on 0394 198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. And be sure to tell us exactly which program you'd like your donations to go towards. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. This year's Eco-Socialism Conference, A World Beyond Capitalism, is on the first weekend of July. Activists from around the world will gather at Victorian Trades Hall to discuss the intersection between the ecological, economic and political crises of our time. The event is open to everyone, so come along and be part of the struggle for a better world. Find out more information on panels and speakers and get your tickets today at ecosocialism.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Hi, I'm Robbie Thorpe. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison radio series, where we share the mic with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander men and women in Victoria's prisons. Uh, we are such a huge representation in prison all over Australia. Statistically, it has to stop, and it's gonna, not going to stop while you're building more beds in a prison. It's a Band-Aid. What about beds outside? Tune in to the 3CR during NADOC week at 11am each day from Monday the 3rd to Friday the 7th of July. We'll take you inside six Victorian prisons. Dame Phyllis Frost Centre, Barwon Prison, Fulham Correctional Centre, Loddon Prison, Marguerite Correctional Centre and Port Phillip Prison. To hear stories, songs, opinions and poems from the men and women inside while connecting with culture and community. The shows will be live on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. 3CR Digital and streaming via our website or the Community Radio Plus app. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au backslash beyond the bars. It is 16 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. Every month, the Global Network in Solidarity with Ukraine meets to exchange information about the activities of left-wing solidarity groups and create a space to discuss what progressive solidarity with Ukraine looks like in different regions of the world. In May, they hosted a discussion focusing on the Asia-Pacific region. And on the show this morning, I'm going to bring you one of those presentations, that of Jinom uh, Kim from the People's Solidarity for Social Progress in South Korea. Hello from Seoul. I'm Jinom Kim and I've been working for my group's PSSP for the past seven years. South Korean public opinion on the war in Ukraine of course, many citizens blame Russia and support Ukraine, like in the most countries. Still, they are reluctant to Korea's intervention 
as a neighbor of Korea and us, Russia and China. It's like we're too much just to serve our own problems like North Korea. And it is difficult to find help from Korean politics, at least so far. I can see there is a perception in media and academia that this war will mean the collapse of the liberal international order and affect Korea. But there is no agreement on what will what we'll do about it. The hottest issue is happening right now. Yesterday, in an interview with Reuters, President Yoon said for the first time, South Korea could provide non-humanitarian aid to Ukraine if it comes under a large-scale civilian attack. The Kremlin immediately warned the Korean government and Democratic Party, the most important opposition, immediately criticized the president's remark and demanded him to take it back. Today, the Korean government reacted to Russia's warning that the president's words were a common sense and principled response, and what we do in the future will depend on Russia. There is a speculation that his remarks are in preparation for the Korea-US summit next week, so it will be clearer then. So my saddest question to myself is, why is the majority of South Korean left taking a campist view? Our hypothesis is it's because of the existence of Korean Stalinism. The so-called national liberation current has been the majority of South Korean left since the 80s. They believe that unlike South Korea, North Korea is a socialist country and liberated from the U.S. dominance. So they sympathize with the North Korea's foreign policy, not only on Ukraine, but also on Afghanistan, Myanmar, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. For example, they believe they believe that the Taliban government is a very good example of national liberation. But however, non-nationalist leftists and Democrats have similar positions with national liberalist group on the war in Ukraine. It's like after America is the ultimate cause of the all better things. This occurs all over the world, but we think there is a reason why it is so serious here. South Korea's leftist movement actually began in the mid-80s. This means we did not have time to watch and reflect on what was really happening in the Soviet Union and other socialist countries. It has led to the belief that Russia and China could not be worse than the US anyway. Basically, North Korean socialism can be said to be an extreme form of sterilism. So many Korean leftists have the same roots here. How this affects popular movements in Korea? There's a very significant example of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions. It's the most important trade union center with more than a million members. 
Last year, a pamphlet was published under the name of the KTCU Reunification Committee, which is run by nationalists. You can see its shocking contents here on the screen. They have educated it to its members. Of course, most KTCU members don't think in this way. This is even against the KTCU's official position that we support Ukrainian workers. However, this attitude of the KTCU leaders led to the KTCU a mass organization doing almost nothing about the war. For example, they laid money for earthquake victims in Turkey, but not for the war victims in Ukraine. And we realized that almost no leftist organization even wanted to join in the coalition calling for the peace in Ukraine. And found, found out that so-called pacifist groups, the, the effect to demand is Ukraine's surrender. Under these circumstances, organized support for Ukraine in South Korean society could not be formed. So we tried to approach new partners of solidarity like diaspora communities in Korea. I feel really sorry that we have not been able to connect with the Ukrainian community in Korea. They were so disappointed by the by Korean activists because of the other legends. That's something I can understand. But there are other legends. At least some of the community leaders think any leftist would have been connected to Russia, so they don't want them. That's what they told us. There were few Ukrainian citizens with us, but we failed to build connections with the community itself. In fact, I feel they are somewhat isolated in Korean society now, the Ukrainian community in Korea. Unfortunately, Belarusian and Russian communities were more open. They have been able to engage in several, uh, we have been able to engage in several joint actions with them, especially with Russian activists in Korea. And with the start of the Iranian revolution and China's white paper protest, Iranian and Chinese in Korea began to form a community and express their support for Ukraine. So we've been in solidarity with the Ukrainian left and various diaspora communities in Korea. We introduced the Ukrainian leftist view to the Korean society by translating their articles and holding a lecture of them and we raised the fund for Sochali Nuk. Last thing is about why is this war and why is Ukrainians' future so important to us? It's because it will affect the future of the Korean Peninsula and East Asia. This picture is 
of North Korean leader Kim Jong-un with his 10-year-old daughter in front of the new ICBM. He's planning to inherit it to her. We don't want it to happen in the real world. North Korea is now basically taking advantage of the situation caused by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. They support Russia and in return, Russia and China support them, blocking any agreement on North Korean nuclear crisis in the UN Security Council. In the meantime, North Korea is building and testing, testing new missiles and threatening us with them. We all know that the current world order has its flaws, but its collapse and setting on Russia's and China's peers of influence in Asia will be fatal to South Korea's peace and democracy. This is why we cannot help but support the Ukrainian and Chinese people. 3CR Radiothon 2023, stay tuned, stay radical. We can't do it without you. It's easy. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your donation really matters. Get to the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, screening the very best documentaries from South by Southwest, Sundance, Tribeca, as well as the best local Melbourne and Australian documentaries. Online from the 1st to the 31st of July and at Cinema Nova from the 21st to the 30th of July. For more information, head to mdff.org.au and cinemanova.com.au. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. Well, that was a speech delivered by Yun Kim, sorry, Yunom Kim from the People's Solidarity for Social Progress in South Korea about solidarity with Ukraine. And that does bring us to the end of another Asia-Pacific Currents. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'll be here next week from 9 o'clock with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region. Um, don't forget to donate to Radiothron across all of 3CR's suite of fabulous programs. Uh, but coming up next is Palestine Remembered and I'm going to go out with I Left My Heart in Palestine by Phil Monsoord.